Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I am experiencing an entirely different level of freedom that I said I would be a selfish grandbaby if I didn't come back on my Harriet Tubman and bring the others with me. <laughs> you feel me? There is something occurring that I had to literally stop, kind of go ahead and observe and absorb what was occurring and say, oh my gosh, I promise you, had I known this a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago, a couple of trials ago, I would have been figuratively walking on water with Jesus. I am starting to realize what the epitome is of life. When Jesus said, peace, I leave unto you, right? Why would that be the one thing that he really wanted us to know? Listen, I'm leaving this with you. Why is it that when elderly get into their golden years and whatever, they like, listen, I don't let anyone disturb my peace. Why is it that when someone is sleeping, it looks like they're getting some good sleep. We say, man, they're sleeping so peacefully. What is it about sleep that is so ironically untangible, but just desirable that whenever we want to go ahead and note something to be the utopicness of someone's particular, whatever they're doing in that time, we use the term peace. So we understand its value. We understand that we absolutely need it. We understand that that's how you can go ahead and tell someone's at the epitome of relaxation or they're doing well in their position or, you know, their relationship is going well or financially they're what have you, they're stable. Whatever it is, if we can go ahead and tag along the term peace, we're like, man, they're successful in that area. So we understand the value. But what good is it to understand the value of the thing and not know how to ascertain it? What good is it to know, man, that meal is delicious if you don't know how to cook it when you get home? What good is it to understand, you know what, exercise and water is great for the body, but you don't do it? What good is it to know the outcome is exactly what is needed, but you have no idea on how to put together the variables? for that outcome. And I was getting a little emotional today thinking about this. I said, you know, I am experiencing a totally different level of freedom. Oh my gosh. And when I really got to the foundation, the common denominator of well, what is causing that, and it is truly not even to be a Bible thumping grandbaby. The truth of the matter is I am believing different. My belief system, my operating system, the way that I perceive things are totally on a different level. The analytical, logical being that I used to be, the way that things had to A plus B in order for me to believe C, I don't believe it anymore. I actually got to the point that I said, I want to believe into my next seasons of life. I want to look so different to prior versions of me that I actually scare prior versions of me. Like you believe in that believe what, what else could you possibly do? Everything else that you believed for you got <laughs> everything else that you were afraid of kind of like sort of maybe happened or, Ooh, you dodged a, that particular situation. So you thought, you know, miracle and faith and favor and all of that things. But when I really look back at the Bible and go over certain things, I'm like, if we really were to dissect it, people truly received what they believed. 
Like I literally was like, why don't we just understand that and take our belief system to the next level? The woman with the issue of blood. I am so glad that she didn't initially believe, man, this issue has been going on for 12 years. There's no way that I can touch him in one second and this whole thing be a wrap. I don't believe that. No, her operating system, her belief system at the time was if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Oh my gosh. Blind men, sick men, leprosy, all that coming up to Jesus and like, can you heal me? He asked before he even wasted his time to invest in something that did not believe. His first question was, do you believe that I can make you see? Do you believe that I can make you whole? And then whenever they answered their particular truth, he was like, your belief, your faith has made you whole. (laughs) Go on to you as you believe it will be done. So I'm reading these things in Matthew and I'm reading the situations and I was like, why don't we take our belief system to the next level? Why do we use our belief system against us? Isn't that the very thing that happened in the garden? Didn't the serpent come along and say, you won't surely die. If you go ahead and eat the fruit that he told you not to eat of, he just knows you're going to know good and evil just like him. He changed her belief system on the thing that she knew. What did Satan try to do with Jesus in the wilderness? He's like, well, if you are A, B, and C, and if you are blah, 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 in an attempt to change his belief system on something, you know, the Bible says, you know, you can go ahead and jump because then the angels won't let your foot hit the full. And so it's like, bro, you, he literally is the accuser of the brethren. But what he really is, is if I could change your belief system, I can change the direction of your life. I can change how you pursue a thing. I can change the faith that you're supposed to have and I can replace it with fear. And so it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I found the cheat code that I'm like, listen, the answer is C, circle C, (laughs) all the way down till you get to 10. And then when you get to 10, like, that's literally what I feel like. I feel like somebody gave me the answers in the back of the book and I'm looking around like, bro, this almost feels illegal in the spiritual realm. Why do you let your belief system play against you? Why do you believe that the only way to get promoted is to have those accolades in that degree? Why do you believe that the only way to go ahead and get whatever your heart's desire is, whether it's marriage, whether it's children, that it has to look a particular way. And until it looks that way, then like, "Mm, you know, it's not going to happen. Why do you believe in order to be financially successful, it has to be a certain number? Why do you believe before you go ahead and have home ownership that you have to make this amount? Why do you believe that, you know, you, you, your job or your salary is frowned upon unless you're making this many figures. Why do you believe? Why do you believe? Why do you let your belief system counteract your faith? Because essentially faith should work for you. You are the author of your perspective. So if the doctor tells you something and you believe what the doctor said, guess what? You already set your faith to equate whatever your outcome is going to be. So if someone goes ahead and tells you, you know, the market is looking a certain way and it's not looking good with the economy and blah, blah, blah. And you adopt that level of faith then guess what your outcome is going to be. 
Why don't you go ahead and override that and say, listen, uh, I'm God chosen. <laughs> I have favor and it's not fair. I do apologize if that's what they're going through, but I am not they. It does not say that on my social security card or my birth certificate. I remember reading in, in the Old Testament that when it was darkness in Egypt, the Israelites had lights. I remember there were certain things happening to the people of Egypt. And even though the Israelites were in Egypt, they didn't have Egyptian like results. And maybe it's because the God's favor. But when I'm going to go ahead and do and believe that this is Egypt, <laughs> everything that's happening with the economy, everything that's happening when people getting sick, everything that's happening with people's tangible items, their houses and their whatever's, I'm going to look at that like, oh, that's Egypt. Good thing I'm an Israelite. Why don't you tap into it in that way? Why don't you tap into it? Like, listen, if I am going to believe anything. I'm not going to believe the very thing that's going to be against me. I'm not going to believe in anything that's going to overcome me. I'm not going to believe to my, to your, like you're literally doubting what could happen for you. That's ridiculous. No one in their right mind, think about how ridiculous that sounds. No one in their right mind wants to innately believe that something bad is going to happen to them. If you had the option to believe good or believe bad, psychology you don't want bad something in your being something in your experience and something in your day-to-day activities has led you to believe that bad is a possibility but what if I was to challenge you to believe something different why do you think little kids are so fearless that baby believed if he put on that shower curtain, that sheet around his neck to look like a cape, if he was to go ahead and fly down these steps, he believes low-key that he's going to fly like Superman. Why? Because we were innately grown to believe the best, to believe the best, to believe the best. Something came along, whether it was scars, experiences, or scarred people in our lives to give us their experiences, and then it deterred us from believing the best. That's why you had to be told, listen, don't touch that stove. It's hot. You saw the steam, but you believe it was going to happen for you. <laughs> you was courageous uh, before you had all your um, adult teeth. I am starting to see, oh my gosh, the woman with the issue of blood, the way that she believed. The way that, hold on, wait a minute, and I even, I'll get transparent. There are some things that happened that I'm like, bro, I literally got what it is that I believed. And then that's when you start, can I go ahead and just be, I'm going to probably open up a piece of your mail, but just let me read it. It's okay. I won't say the name. I actually am starting to believe that <laughs> when certain things happened, we literally try to believe bad to buffer the emotional side of that. And I don't care how you like to code it, how you like to twist it. You know, I don't like getting my hopes up. That is not biblically sound because the Bible says to stir up your, your hope, fam up your flame. Like there are some things that you're, you're starting to try to put in, in the earthly realm. And you're forgetting that you're a spirit being going through a human being experience. So for you to adopt all these different mindsets, do not adopt mindsets that are counteractive to the spiritual principles in a Bible. There are some things that you are believing that it's like, uh, big dog. That's not what the Bible says. And when did you start believing that way? What if you started really getting in your bag and being like, mm -mm, I, if, if I can control my perspective, 
If I can control how I see a thing, I'm at least going to go ahead and believe things that actually are positive, things that generate new ideas in me, things that actually make me feel good, things that, no, like I don't care if none of your friend group is married. If you want to be married, guess what? You're going to be like, bruh, and then my um bridal shower is going to be this color, and then I'm going to have a small intimate, or I'm going to have a 300, whatever it is. Like literally, I need you to start tapping in and dreaming again. Because that's the realm that you actually are your most faithful. (laughs) Like your faith is huge when you start dreaming on how your house in the future is going to look. The car that you want. The fact that you got it printed out and it's on your vision board. Or at least somewhere where you can actually see it. Like when's the last time you dreamt something, wrote it down, and kept making sure that you saw it? So that it can get into your mind and it can start to permeate your soul and you can start almost like literally seeing it like I see it. When's the last time you went to a car dealership just to walk past it? When's the last time you seen if it was in a different make and model or however that looks, color scheme, what have you? When's the last time you walked floor plans and communities and said, "Mm, this would be a great place for me to go ahead and raise children? When's the last time you got close to the thing that it is that you want? When's the last time that you inactivated your belief? system in the thing that you truly want when's the last time you've done that like someone needs to shake you up and I said it before and I'll say it again do not ever be in your lane of life seeing that someone else won and got the gold medal in their lane while you never even were bold enough to tie your shoe up just to get in your lane People are out here winning because they just believed. People are truly out here doing something fantastic. And you like, bro, how? Do you, do you know how much of a slap in the face it is to know that, I don't know, I just went up there and I believed that A, B, and C. You, you, the bottom line of it all is that your actions are contingent on your level of faith. Why else would a bleeding woman who is deemed unclean, so she shouldn't have been in that vicinity anyway, believe, uh, if I can just touch this him, Ma'am, the fact that you believe that got you close enough to the him. Because that's the other thing. Some people just think, oh, you can go ahead and believe. No, because the Bible is really clear. Um, faith plus works <laughs> equates to the blessing, right? So just with the woman with the issue of blood, what was her faith? If I can go ahead and touch the hem of his garment, right? And so what was her works? That she actually got in the vicinity to go ahead and get close to a garment of Jesus, right? And what was that outcome? That she was healed from something that she suffered from over a decade. It really is that simple. What do you believe? That you no longer want to live in that particular city? That you were called to go ahead and do something overseas, over there? That you're tired of this career path and you really feel like you would be best suited now that you really know your talents and you built up your confidence in the area. That if you had to do it all over again, you would have chose this because you feel like you would be successful in that. Then why not be courageous enough to go ahead and change degrees? Why not be bold enough to change careers? Why not to be bold enough to have it where you don't get to the end of your life and say, man, I left a stone uh I left it there. Why didn't you unturn everything? If it's in your heart, you better have something in you that says, and I will see it. 
If it's in your heart to have that family, if it's in your heart to have that particular promotion, if it's in your heart to have that, whatever it is, you want a family, it don't have to be blood. You can put some good people around you. You can believe that the way that God went ahead and attached all the animals to Noah, that he will attach good people to you that will feel like family. Whatever it is, you need to start cultivating your faith so that you can see, oh my gosh, it's working for me. Instead, most people are walking out here and thinking, you know, I, I like to be with myself because, you know, women are catty and I like to go ahead and I don't like to work in groups because this, that, and the third. And you have a belief system that works against you. And when you really dissect it at the bottom line of it all is that your belief system is counteractive to what you truly want. How stupid is that? If you really want to be a homeowner, why are you letting the economy scare you? If you really want to go ahead and take dating to the next level because you're tired of dating, why not just believe, oh, God has him for you? You just got to go ahead and prep in the meantime and ask God, wherever I need to be for me to be found, then God, I believe you're going to lead me there. Ruth had a problem. There was a famine, sir, (laughs) ma'am. Okay, she was hungry. And because she's not a lazy woman, She was like, well, it's nobody else to fend for us, Naomi and I, so I got to make it happen. She went to the field to fulfill something or need for herself. And while her being laser focused on, no, I'm going to make it happen, God let her get favor, and on top of favor, God gave her a husband. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thought that her picking up uh, wheat and, and, and working and probably sweating and probably not smelling the best. Okay. Uh, would have gone ahead and allow Boaz to be like, you know what? Leave her a little bit of extra on the side for her to then go back to Naomi and be like, um, there's this guy like Boaz. He's and Naomi seeing it enough to be like, Ooh, girl, this is what you do. Go ahead in his tent. Okay. Pull his sheep back. (laughs) You know, listen, that's between them and the Lord. That's what they went ahead and did. And guess what? The outcome was just that, but it had to be a a particular faith system, operating system that made her believe, no, I'm going to go in here and this is going to happen exactly the way that I'm believing for, because I have situated myself. I have made my, made it known. We don't have nobody fending for us. So whatever her belief system was stuck on, it was stuck on. I'm not leaving here in lack. Essentially, that's what the bottom line was, right? And so what happens when you start looking over the parts of your life and you're like, yo, I think I want to start taking more responsibility. I think the reason why this particular area of my life is going in this particular direction is because of my specified perspective. There is something that I am believing that is causing this. And I had to, because I'm a theory person, right? Low key, not theory, but I, I got to test some stuff to, before I go ahead and feel brave enough to say some stuff. Sometimes, sometimes I just talk because that's what I do. But when I looked at certain things, so we talked about Jesus when he calmed the storm, right? And so when you really look at that in Matthew 8, the, the disciples waking him up and being scared and this, down the third, Jesus responded, it says in verse 26 in Matthew 8, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. So what is Jesus essentially saying there? Bro, the reason why you're afraid is because your faith is set up that way. You truly believe, oh my gosh, we're getting ready to drown. That's why you woke me up this way. (laughs) And so because that's what you believe, you are now demonstrating behaviors 
and your actions are aligning to your belief system in this area. Okay. When um Peter was walking on water with Jesus, yeah. Um literally it says in verse 31, uh, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. <laughs> Matter of fact, let's go one up. But when he saw, talking about David, saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. Why have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? I was like, bruh, Jesus is literally telling them, I can see your faith and I can see the outcome of your faith. Bruh, you doubted me. Why did you doubt me? That is why you thought you was getting ready to drown? Because that's the way you set up y y your faith system. Oh my goodness. I even thought back to Job. Literally, it says in the first chapter of Job, let's go ahead and do verse four. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite three, their three sisters to celebrate with them. Five. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice, bruh. And then when all that came down in flames, uh, and when it was a wrap, Job literally was like, what I feared most happened. Right. So because you feared, oh no, um, God may do something bad to them because of their behaviors. I'm going to keep purifying them every single day. The Bible says this was his Job's regular practice. Why are you doing this for your grown children, sir? I mean, I get it. You want to cover them. But at the end of the day, how their lifestyle is not contingent on uh, your your practices. If that you would have been better if you would have said, hey, listen, I don't think y'all live in the right way. I ain't going to hold you. I've been seeing and I've been hearing the, you know, the, the music from the house in the backyard and stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. If you believe you're doing anything that can honestly defy God in any way, I highly suggest that y'all purify yourselves. Isn't that better parenting opposed to holding yourself accountable to what another grown person is doing? Yeah, that sounds a lot like a part of the reason why most families don't work. Because there are adults trying to still raise their adult children. Why? No, at that point, you do what I lovingly call um, parking lot parenting. I'm going to tell you what to do <laughs> and pray that you go ahead and drive in that direction. But if not, my GPS is still set for where I'm going because the Bible says that we all give an account, okay? And he doesn't say, hey, and by the way, I want you to go ahead and explain why such and such did what they did. Nuh-uh, because I'm responsible for me. So in love, I will give you some of these words, some of these wisdom words, some of this direction. But um, in wisdom, I'm going to go ahead and continue to drive the way that I feel led. I showed you Jesus. I gave you, let you have, start, initiate the relationship between the two. Uh, what I won't do is be hovering over it and micromanaging something that I literally, at the end of the day, have no control over. Yeah, that would have been uh, better, Joe, but you wasted half of your, um, I don't know how much time you put into it, but it was a good amount of time going ahead and purifying people that didn't really care for uh, what you were doing.
But if you got to do this every day and they continuing to do it every day, the answer is not you doing something every day. The answer is them changing their ways. Wasn't that the whole purpose of the ministry of John and how Jesus started out, turn from your wicked ways for the kingdom of heaven is near, right? But on this thing of literally your faith equals your outcome, I went back and thought about OG um, David and the whole Goliath thing. Like, I just, I, I can't even, I just got to read it. So 1 Samuel 17, you know, I read in the NLT version, always have, always will. Let's go ahead and start at verse 40, talking about David. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him. 42. Sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. 43. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. 44. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. 45. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. 46. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in heaven. 47. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Uh, no, I'm going to keep going. 48. As Goliath moved closer to the attack, David ran quickly out to meet him. 49. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with the sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. 51. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Uh, round of, when, at this point. <laughs> Absolutely cannot. I don't think we give David enough, uh, accolades and flowers for the fact that he literally displayed faith here beyond belief. If you read anything in 1 Samuel 17 prior to verse 40, you got Saul, the head of the army, saying, boy, there's no way you can go ahead and fight Goliath. He's been in uh, the army since a youth. You, you can't do it, sir. Literally, it doesn't get more uh, discouraging than that. Than someone literally telling you while you getting ready to go on stage, you can't sing, you can't dance, you can't do the thing that you're getting ready to go out there and do that you've never probably done before. So you even mustering up enough guts to get out there. Let me go ahead and just, you know, clean them guts up because what I'm going to go ahead and tell you is going to be defeatist. 
uh-huh, still want to go out there? Cool. If you still want to go out there, David, then at least take my particular army gear because you don't have any. And David had to fight through that. He had to fight through the discouragement of Saul. His brother was like, bro, where's your small sheep? Trying to go ahead and embarrass him there. Then he had to fight through, bro, if I'm going to go out here and do something courageous, I cannot do it with your armor because I'm not used to that. And at the end of it all, to have that mindset and then go ahead and raise it a little and say, I'm going to go ahead and foreshadow real quick and use my faith. Verse 46 says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in heaven. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. But he just literally said from the other side of the hill, this is what getting ready to happen. I'm coming out there. I'm coming out there with the Lord. No, I don't have no sword. No, I don't have no spear, but I'm going to go ahead and kill you. And then when I kill you, I'm going to give you dead bodies for your partners in them. I'm going to give it to the wild animals. Like I'm getting ready to paint a picture of what's getting ready to happen. And everybody's going to have to believe it because guess what? I believe it. And so my outcome is based on what I believe. My outcome is based upon my faith and my faith is based upon what I know of God. This entire situation literally is driven by how much do you believe that God can do what you said? Yes, one thing to say, I'm the strongest, I'm the biggest. And you get out there and Goliath literally kicks you with his pinky toe and now you somewhere in another country and can't nobody find you. And then that's how this verse ends. And then there's no more first Samuel and there's not even a need for second Samuel because there's no David, okay? Not only is there no David, there's no Solomon because that was his daddy. Like the whole thing is messed up because you believe, and I can, and then pink, and then it was a wrap. Like, oh, that's how that works. But it's something about having sound faith in a stable God that you can say, Father God, I am believing this because I know what you've done. David was like, yo, I, I, as a shepherd, I was able to, God allowed me to go ahead and fight the lions and the tigers and the bears. And oh my, I was able to protect my own sheep. So I believe that God put me in the right circumstance to go ahead and cover and kill this Goliath on behalf of his sheep. And so if God did it for me, then as a shepherd, he'll do it for me now because nobody's going to defy my God. Nobody's going to go ahead and do A, B, and C. There is something about going up ahead of something that's trying to come against the faith of God, that's trying to come against the word of God. And you just got to believe nobody else was doing it, but I can do it. And if I'm bold enough to believe it, then I'm bold enough to see it through because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The motive of why you believe a thing, the motive of it, woman with the issue of blood, I know that there's no doctor that can go ahead and understand it. She didn't have any more money to go ahead and see another doctor. But I believe that the God that has manufactured my life, that has manufactured my body, can put me back to the manufacturer default. I know that there's some abnormalities, but I believe that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, all of this will go back to normal. I believe it. I believe it. She touches it. And at that moment, immediately, Jesus felt the power come out of him. Why her touch? Out of all the people that was touching him, because he darn sure turned around and was like, who touched me? 
disciples was like, sir, everybody's touching you. He was like, mm-mm, but that touch was different. That touch, I felt the power come for me. That t-. And she had to come forth and say, uh, it was me. And he was like, it's okay, <laughs> woman, um, your faith has made you whole. How are you approaching the situations in your life? How do you perceive the Goliaths in your life? How do you, how are you getting on the battlefield of life? Are you going out there with armor that you're kind of doubtful about anyway? Like the, the commonality in these particular examples is that, yes, there was a boldness. Yes, there was also faith, but it was absent of doubt. The Bible says that if you believe anything, I'm talking about mustard seed, pray without doubt, and it will be given to you. Doubt is such a hindrance that the archangel Gabriel had to put the spirit of the shut up on Hezekiah. When Gabriel came down, read your Bible, that's between you and the Lord, and told Hezekiah, listen, Elizabeth is pregnant with a baby, and his name is going to be John, and gave him all the details. Hezekiah was like, how can that happen? Gabriel was like, yo, I cannot have doubt in the midst of anything that is God's doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you mute. You're not going to be able to talk until this baby is born. That is how dangerous doubt is. It's the counterproductive, counteractive to faith and it opens the door to everything that God doesn't have for you. That's the one thing the serpent was able to do with Eve. He made her doubt. Yes. He made her change her perspective, but he made her doubt. You won't surely die. To the point that she started thinking, you know what? It is beautiful. The fruit, because when doubt enters the chat, it competes with what God said. It competes with your belief system. It competes with what God is actually trying to do in your life. And so sometimes you're going to have to take the Hezekiah route where you just say, yo, I'm going to have to just shut up and just see it through. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to tell nobody else it because, listen, if somebody else even touches and agrees with my doubt, I'm probably going to go ahead and go in another direction. So I'm going to go ahead and shut up until I see it through. And then when I get to the other side, I'm going to say, God, you real. And in that, God will be able to go ahead and strengthen and sharpen your faith. I would rather you say nothing. If you don't know how to say anything, quote a scripture. If you don't know how to say anything, write down something that is positive before you actually speak something that's counterproductive to the faith. So what is my challenge to you? My challenge to you is that your faith equals your freedom. That your faith actually equals your outcome. And if you truly are having an issue in a certain area, be bold and brave enough to look at your life and say, what is my authentic perspective in this area? Because if I don't like this outcome, then I have to change my faith and my perspective in this area. Do you understand? All right. But listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everyone's going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Mm-hmm. I have so much more I want to talk to you about, but I know your phone number, and as long as you keep paying your bill, then we'll keep having these conversations. So I'm excited 
but keep it nearby because I may be calling you sooner than later. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Okay? We talk later? Mm-hmm. Later. <laughs>